0: This episode of Caustic Soda is brought to you by Cthulhu Palooza. No kidding, for reals. Check it out, CthulhuPalooza.com, February 18th, 2011, Vancouver, B.C. Featuring the darkest of the hillside thickets, Miskatonic Middle School PTA bake sale, Lovecraftian burlesque, Lovecraftian short films, and much more. That's CthulhuPalooza.com.
1: Anarchist art. A whole new kind of torture. I'm Kevin Leeson.
2: You know what this classical statuary needs? A magnetic penis. I'm Joe Fulgen. Welcome to Spain. Here's your fish.
3: I'm Chris Woods. It's a turd. It's a plane. It's a turd.
0: I'm Torrin Atkinson. It's Caustic Caustic soda. Soda.
4: It's the Caustic Soda Podcast! Yay! It's time to set the mics up It's time for tales of woe It's
0: time to take the red pill On the caustic soda
4: show
0: It's time to do our research Unless your name is Joe It's time to load the wiki On the caustic soda show
4: to introduce our guest star. That's what I'm here to do. So it makes me very hungry to introduce to you, Chris Woods. <laughs> but now let's get things started. Why don't you get things started?
0: It's time to get things started on the informational, aberrational, strangulational, nauseational,
4: strapping for the
0: so here we have as our guest for this very special episode on art artist extraordinaire what is your what is your business card used to say supreme artist on the omniverse
3: supreme artist of the omniverse it wasn't my business card it was my scratch pad oh yeah chris woods hello thanks for
1: having me gentlemen so technically what are your bona fides with respect to the art world uh, the
2: ever-skeptical Kevin Leeson.
3: Well, I have uh, graduated with honors in fine arts from Chilliwack Senior Secondary School in 1988, and went on to not complete a two-year diploma course at what was then Fraser Valley College in the fine arts. Yeah, I think you're the first uh, high school graduate we've had on this show. <laughs> <laughs> I th- yeah, I think that was pretty much the rite of passage if you're going to go and do, do anything seriously. Uh, If you got the diploma, you're kind of fucked up. Yeah, you got to be a
0: quitter.
4: (laughs) Well,
2: let me just tell you from my personal experience, you could not get a diploma and also fuck up.
3: The jury's still out. Let's put it that
2: way.
0: (laughs) But you've also painted a painting or two in your time,
3: I understand. Yes, I have uh, some doggies playing poker. (laughs) Nice. No, I've been a pro- technically a professional artist since 1991 in the gallery representational sense, and before that, I sold portraits and stuff.
2: When I when I like to drop your name to uh, people I meet, oh yeah, I know Chris Woods, and they'll be like, oh, who's that? <laughs> and then he's a Canadian artist. He painted the cover of one of the Bare Naked Ladies albums. And they're like, ooh, I still
3: don't know who he is.
0: Yeah, <laughs>
2: but they know that album.
3: Does he know Stephen Page? And we've seen
0: you on every cover of Adbusters. They've ever made <laughs> by every. If you mean two, then yes. yes. And also, uh, one of the hosts of Speedway Squad, the podcast of uh, <laughs> Chiloway, the
3: mo- world's most obscure podcast you've never <laughs> heard of. So check that out.
0: And we're going to talk about art. The horrible, horrible aspects of art. <laughs> yeah. We should have a caustic sort of fold in.
4: No, never mind. <laughs> what's, what's what's a fold in? <laughs> like, Mad Mad,
0: like, Mad like Mad
2: Magazine. Mad Magazine.
4: <laughs> oh yeah. That's right.
2: The lighter side of art. Well, is there a fear of art?
3: No. phobia. There's a fear of me going into galleries and seeing shitty art. Yeah, there's whatever. But yeah, I don't think that's been uh, profiled by psychologists yet.
1: Isn't art so subjective that you couldn't ever truly call something shitty unless it actually has shit on the canvas? And we'll talk about that a little later in the podcast. Yes, we will. Yes.
2: (laughs) So how about a definition of art? Because I think that we could probably take up the entire podcast just trying to argue about that. Mm -hmm. But have we got something simple for that? No.
3: If you want to start with a definition of art, I brought a book along called The Mind in the Cave, which is written by uh, David Lewis Williams, who is an expert on the creative explosion, 35 to forty thousand years ago when humans all of a sudden just stopped doing their regular stuff and just began mm-hmm. to create so cave art and you know little uh, field sculptures like talismans and such and that they could hit other people over the heads with yeah if you want to define it it's mm-hmm. one of the defining steps of human evolution that that we can still look at and see you know other than tool making of course but mm-hmm. it's, it's a direct what makes humans human like it's one of the elements with language and music that is part of the package of humanity 2.0. It's what differentiates us from the dolphins.
2: Indeed. Zoologist Desmond Morris, who wrote the uh, excellent book, The The Naked Ape Mm -hmm. and uh, The Human Zoo, uh, he's got a very broad definition of art, but I like it a lot, which is art is anything that humans do that is not done for survival, procreation, or entertainment.
0: So here in Caustic Soda, we always talk about the grim and the morose and the morbid and the disgusting. Uh, So that will be no exception on this art episode. The first item I have up uh, to discuss is murderabilia.
3: You guys heard of this? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, It's
1: what you hang over your child's crib.
3: (laughs) (laughs) John Wayne Gacy's artwork and that sort of thing, I assume, presume.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, It's a term identifying collectibles related to murders, murderers, or other violent crimes. Serial killer art in specific is what we'll be talking about.
1: So hold on a sec. uh, Your
3: Ed Gein skull bowl and such. So
1: are these things that are just like tokens or is this actual art done by serial killers or is
0: it both? uh, It's both. But uh, serial killer art is artwork created by serial, serial killers while in prison. Yeah, Uh, this process is used as a therapy device or to further understand that particularly disturbed psyche or, in other instances, just a method of (laughs) spanning the time while they're in prison. And so, yeah, as you said, John Wayne Gacy and also Richard Ramirez, Henry Henry Lee Lucas are a few of the better-known American serial killer artists. I got to say, I've
1: seen those Gacy-like clown drawings Mm -hmm. and they creep the hell out of me. (laughs) And Here's the thing, though. I think he's a good artist. Because they would creep me out, even if I didn't know who did them. Because they're mm. creepy.
2: could be argued that's just a, an inherent factor of clowns.
1: Yeah, but I don't. You know, I, mean, I know some people don't like clowns. I don't have that particular bias. Oh, okay, I'm going to it uh, with fresh, cl- unclowned, unclounded eyes.
0: Coolrophobia is the name of the fear of clowns. As a matter of fact. All right. Wow, you you pulled that right out of your uh, top the top of your head. It's not my favorite phobia, though. What's your favorite <laughs> phobia? Hippopotamus <monster> says phobia, <laughs> the fear of long words. No. <laughs> you can look that up. I dun, just, dun, sh- no, I don't
2: know. I'd have to type it out to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I could Google for fear of long words. I guess you could.
0: <laughs> so collectors of serial killer art must have direct contact to obtain and authenticate this art. The actual pieces can sell for large sums of money depending on the individual artist and their notoriety through serial killing. Uh, And interesting, recently, two U.S. senators have teamed up to introduce a bill in Congress that would outlaw murderabilia. The bill is called the Stop the Sale of Murderabilia to Protect the Dignity of Crime Victims Act of 2010.
2: Pithy
3: doesn't well, have a cool acronym
2: like stabby or something no
3: no stabby stabby
1: i know that they severely limit the ability of uh inmates to sell like their life story for a profit yeah. like i think a lot of the money that comes right. from books and stuff mm-hmm. of people who are in jail goes to like victim like victim advocacy groups and stuff like that so i'm assuming that this is basically to close a loophole like to Find another avenue by which these guys could make money and shut it off.
3: What were we saying about it? Some kind of a skull art or something? Ed is supposedly made a bowl out of a skull of one of his victims that was um, he used as a bowl. He had a
1: Yeah, well, a he, had, of it. he made furniture out of bones and stuff too. Didn't uh,
3: he? yeah, I don't know his story he made that a well. Shade out of a skin. Apparently, he was. Yeah. yeah enjoyed that sort of thing but i think it was more for his personal use rather than it was for gallery presentation
4: certainly so
0: these were these were like this is more like furniture than like paintings you would hang on a wall trophies yeah. Yeah, yeah trophies yeah, yeah. so auction based site ebay no longer sells murderabilia but they used to but at least <laughs> six websites including SerialKillerInc.net, turn a profit selling notorious serial killers and murderers letters artwork and christmas cards
3: there is um, an excellent book by patricia cornwall cornwell, cornwell who uh, posits the theory that Jack the Ripper was an artist, made a very compelling case Mm -hmm. that he was Jack the Ripper. uh, Forensically, some of the notes and such that were written by Jack the Ripper were on artist materials and were written in Mm -hmm. artists' charcoals and inks. And to look at his art and know that, I think you could tentatively uh maybe without causation so certainly believe who, that he was that type of person. Some so forensic
1: some, psychologist could look at it and go, ooh, yeah. he's a little bit twisted.
3: His paintings are very dreary and ha- uh, uh, have a dark psychological undertone. Right. In, I didn't know, know that we had senses. paintings by Jack the Ripper. She makes a compelling case, but I don't think a lot of people are on board with her assessments. So. Where 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 I mean like where can we see these paintings to like Um if you can find the name of the artist Walter Sickert Walter Sickert, there you go. Oh, so she said that he was Jack the Ripper.
2: Yeah, again, yeah. It wasn't it, that they had. Jack according
3: Ripper, to right. forensic evidence, right. she had reviewed the files and. Well, I know Sicker is uh, a
1: character in the From Hell series mm, too. Mm-hmm. Sicker uh, plays a role. In the uh, from more from Hell books,
3: but he's a very a very accomplished artist and very respected in you know the animal the animals the annals of English art. Like he's not he wasn't just some crazed loner. he was very respected. In
1: in from Hell, he uh, plays the role of a very close personal friend Mm. to uh, the prince, who is ultimately another suspect. Yeah, Yeah. oh, fascinating.
3: Mm. Yeah, so check out Mister Walter Sickert, appropriately named, because he's a Sickert.
0: My next item I have. Art as torture.
3: <laughs> Thomas Kincaid, painter of light. Let me just say, <laughs> look him up, and you'll see art as torture. <laughs> or Jody Bergsma and her ilk. Those are names I don't know. Yeah, yeah. A, we're all looking you'll at know, each other, befuddled, yeah, and right. uh, we don't are know who's how on. Thomas Kincaid. Yeah, <laughs> that guy's a hack. <laughs> He's very like he has uh, framing stores all over the nation, and 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 he you know he builds himself the painter of light, and it's the mo- you know it's yeah. very pedestrian and. You know, a lot of the middle class kind of Christian wasps uh,
2: I was just going to say it looks, for it. it looks like the art you find on those advent calendars with the chocolate syndrome yeah, and stuff indeed. like no, that. I like his sunset.
3: I look up Jodie Bergsma because she's of the Walter Keene Big Eye School. Oh, of, nice. Joe likes big eyes. Walter Keene, actually, uh, who is the originator of the big-eyed waif style from right. the 50s, yeah. was a huge star and and traveled amongst uh, Hollywood elite dean martin and would party with everybody and was a was a really big deal in the 50s and obviously very famous it turns out apparently allegedly his wife had actually done most of the work for him and he had oh, sort of nice. taken cheater it's very well documented uh, because there was a court case when she sued him for royalties and they asked him to paint a picture in court and he was <laughs> he claimed he was unable to for various reasons and then she churned a couple out right there in front of the jury and the court right which is an interesting wow. uh in, that'd be a good tv movie
1: that is uh, that is the opposite of the oj simpson
2: thing
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> but he walter keen is sort of the he couldn't fit the palette on
0: his thumb yeah that's... <laughs> <laughs>
2: if the palette does not fit
3: you must acquit i i understand he's fallen on hard economic times too i believe mr kincaid has overstretched his uh Overstretched his self economically and such, opened too many stores, and so you know uh, how him, the mighty have fallen. Oh, <laughs> him I feel so Starbucks. bad for him. Oh, Schadenfreude. Him I'm and Starbucks.
4: It right now.
0: So the inf- the information I have is very interesting. Spanish art historian Jose Milichua uncovered what was alleged to be the first use of modern art as a deliberate form of torture. With the discovery oh. that mind bending prison cells were built by anarchist artists sixty five years ago during the country's bloody civil war. Oh, cool. Bauhaus artists such as Kandinsky Klee and Salvador Dali were said to be the inspiration behind a series of secret cells and torture centers built in Barcelona and elsewhere. Most were the work of an enthusiastic French anarchist, Alphonse Lorentzik, who uh, invented a form of psychotechnic
3: torture. So basically they made cells that look like those perspective rooms you see on TV where somebody walks really far to the corner and gets really small and... From yeah. The, where the it's shot by the angle of the camera, the room looks as though it's geometr- geometrically sound,
0: a cuboid. That kind of stuff. Beds were placed at 20 degree angles, making them near impossible to sleep on. The floors of the six feet by three feet cells were scattered with bricks and other geometric blocks to prevent prisoners from walking backwards and forwards. Um, the only option left, prisoners, was staring at the walls, which were curved and covered with mind-altering patterns of cubes, squares, straight lines, and spirals, which utilized tricks of color, perspective, and scale to cause mental
3: confusion and distress. Basically, it was M.C. Escher in solitary.
4: <laughs>
2: exactly. I, I think I'd already be pretty distressed by being put in jail by enthusiastic French anarchists.
4: <laughs>
0: These cells were built in 1938, and uh, the information came from a written account of uh, Lorenchik's trial before a Francoist military tribunal. Uh, how many times have I heard that sentence?
4: I don't know.
1: The, you know would be awesome is if the anarchists had actually won the Civil War and, like, they <laughs> spread this to, like, all sorts of forms of government. Yeah, Welcome to Spain, Spain. Here's your fish. Yeah. That's how they became – that's how they spread the anarchist doctrine all the way through every level of government. And according to the prosecutors – You go to the DMV and it looks like the line is really short, but you're there all day. <laughs> just
0: a hall of mirrors, yeah. yeah. According to the prosecutors who put Lorentzic on trial in 1939, a jail in Murcia in southeast Spain forced prisoners to view the infamously disturbing scene from Dali and Bunuel's film Un Chien Andalou. Hmm. Ah, has anybody seen
1: it besides myself?
0: Yes. Yeah. Wow, the in
4: cutting which, of the eye. Yeah, in which
0: an eyeball is sliced
4: open.
2: Ah. To pigs. Yeah. Oh, that's. Mm. But it could yeah. be
1: eye. <laughs> but yeah, the the most bizarre scene is when they're like dragging. Everything's tied by a rope, and they're dragging like a nun and a grand piano and a yeah. dead mule and a, a de- everything else under the sun. That crazy Salvador. Dali. I love I, lo- I love it when clocks. you throw a nun. I I don't even know if they necessarily <laughs> know what the nun means. You just like throw nuns into stuff. Yeah, it's like putting a midget in a movie. It's <laughs> exactly. kind of shorthand for. It's weird. Yeah. Oh <laughs> hey, David Lynch, a midget. In a, oh that's hey, right. midget <laughs> nuns. Oh snap.
2: Oh, that's art.
3: TM. Damn, I missed my calling. I'm out of here, guys. <laughs> the next, the next, I'm about to start. I'm on the my way to midget, the art slash. The midget nun store. Uh, vestry supply store, yeah. What can you tell us about Francesco Goya? He was a painter in the 17th century of Spain, and he, he was painter to one of the courts of one of the many courts of Ferdinand, I believe. Ferdinand the Bull? but a very... Uh, <laughs> yes. Worked within the system and kind of uh, chipped away at it at the same time. A very a respected painter, but also uh, the author of a really important series of etchings called uh, Horrors of War, I believe. Yeah, no kidding. He documented the Napoleonic uh, yeah. assault on uh, in Spain and Madrid, and has a very famous painting called The Third of May, which is uh, the French executing Spanish peasants or, or partisans, depending on who you are which is very considering he was a court painter I mean it was propaganda for in favor of Spain but very a very powerful artwork and very like one of the icons of the fine art world and apparently he went a bit, a bit potty in his old age
0: yeah he rented a house and started painting these crazy paintings one of which we talked about in the cannibalism episode which was Saturn devouring his son yeah that yeah.
1: that painting's awesome yeah mm-hmm. so
0: he kind of these were called the black paintings yes indeed and another one was the witch's Sabbath uh, also known as the great Heat goat, very dark.
3: Yeah, very expressionistic, very um, prescient of later movements to come at the end of the 20th century. Perhaps just due to his state of mind, he he painted in a very, as I say, expressionistic and a very uh, unapproved style at the time, but he was sort of an old man, I think, living deaf and living in his... uh, his home, as you say, mm-hmm. and just sort of producing what just turned on the uh, the tap of his id and uh, <laughs> it, all, it all just came out.
0: Um, the paintings were not commissioned, were not meant to leave his home. He is, it is likely that the artist never intended the works for public exhibition.
1: Hmm. Do we bring this up because he's, his paintings are particularly caustic soda-y? I yeah, he explored
0: very somewhere. dark themes like, you know, cannibalism and insanity and executions.
3: Another artist who is a slightly generation later, I believe, is Fusselli. Mm. Paints Ooh, I love like, his pasta. Works like the night. <laughs> a very famous painting called The Nightmare, which is, depicts a succubus or a... The Incubus. The Incubus, thank you. It has a very unique and very ominous style uh, and worked in, a, and again, in a kind of a very uh, macabre uh, sort of vein. It's quite a famous painting. Quite a love for the dark side of life, if you will.
2: Yeah, it seems like a pretty good out for people who are suffering from depression and things like that. Well, and,
3: and William Blake is sort of the flip side of Fuselli, and his work was very devoted to to God and to sort of transcendence and uh, mm. angels and and that Bible stories and you know sort of defeating demons and that sort of thing. If you well, he inspired uh, the character in the film Red Dragon. Yeah, I was, was about, about to that, say ironic that you describe him as being
1: like very heavenly. Yeah, but then it's one of his. Paintings of a devil that uh,
0: pretty much inspired the serial killer character in Red Dragon. Indeed. Do you remember going to Body Worlds, guys? I do. Yeah. Remember Gunter Von Hagens, the creator of the plastination process? I love his ice cream. I do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he does kitty drawings. His No, his precursor was Honoré Fragonard. Oh, okay. He was a French anatomist and is now remembered primarily for his remarkable collection of écorché, which is, I guess, French for flayed figures. Ooh, uh, I like anything that's Those French had a flayed. real joie de vivre, didn't
4: they?
0: <laughs> his method, uh, he basically did the same kind of thing. He would skin and preserve bodies for exhibition, primarily. All right. In the same way that Gunther von Hagens did. Um, But his method of preservation was never discovered, although it is now being rivaled by the plastination of Gunther von Hagen's. In body worlds, uh, Mr. Gunther preserves bodies of donors, and they are used for education only. Their bodies (laughs) treated with as much respect as possible. Fragonard practices arts in another era, the days of grave (laughs) robbing and poorhouses, and this is reflected within the exhibition. I don't actually have a date on this. The
3: good old days.
0: Um another one of a k a what's a little f- f- grave robbing between friends? We'll put a picture of this on Coca dot com, but you can see his uh his famous horse and master. Wow, and at the feet of this are flayed dancing babies, nice, which are yeah. three skeletal fetuses. Immobilized in festive postures, a gruesome
3: dance of
2: death. Yeah, it looks like extra gross body worlds.
3: Nightmare fuel, we call it. It is
2: <laughs> so he was uh eighteenth century. Okay, there you go. Died in seventeen
3: ninety nine. Love to party. <laughs> he enjoyed the He liked program. to party like it's seventeen <laughs> nine. nine. Neat, neat, neat,
2: neat, neat. You'd have to make that sound more like a uh, Oh, uh, yeah, the no, uh,
3: a harpsichord. There's an artist, I believe, during the revolution who painted pictures of severed body parts, like severed heads from the guillotine. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to think of Call his back name. To decapitation yeah, episode. Yeah, no, no kidding. Close the circle. There's some very famous paintings and drawings of severed heads.
2: Theodore Jericho. That's your man.
3: It was very famous for uh, painting very kind of theatrical artwork. He has a painting called "The Raft of the Medusa," which is depict a, a very famous shipwreck at the time. Right. The contemporary to him, uh, in a very gruesome sort of. It was a very famous story, and his his monumental painting at the Louvre caused quite a quite a sensation. It's not really gory in any sense, but it is, uh, from what I understand, most of the people perished during their uh, ordeal
0: adventure. <laughs> yes. It does remind me of that painting we talked about on the Sharks episode. That mm-hmm. guy oh, yeah, by uh,
3: Copley. Yeah, good times. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Sharky good times. Should we move to some more uh, recent pop art style of uh, weirdos? All right. Weirdo well, artists? firstly,
3: if I may say that uh, just as a bit of background, when you talk about modern eras – in the fine arts world, you, when you speak of modern, it actually means sort of late 19th century up until um, let's say mid mid century to 60s or 70s, and then you hit the 70s and you have the postmodern age. So if you, if one says modern art, one is really speaking uh, of kind of about a hundred year span from late 19th century to late 20th. Right. It ceased to. So the nomenclature mean... is kind of is a little confusing because right. if one one says so modern it's... art.
2: It doesn't mean art that is currently modern. It, right. it has become a descriptor for a yeah, certain that era. was that for movement, period, that age.
3: Right. Yeah, as if like
0: impressionist or. Uh, exactly. it's like so golden, now we're in the post, post, postmodern art. It's, it's like the golden age,
1: age and the age. silver age of comic books.
2: <laughs> 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 well, except that those didn't change what golden age meant. <laughs> but at some point,
1: <laughs> time they had to draw the line in the sand. Imagine if you were like on the verge of being the golden age and you're a comic but, artist and then they went, no, you're silver
3: age now. Yeah. You're second best. Right. But the point <laughs> – Who do you apply to to get that – to get those things yeah, changed? There's no international borders. But board what I'm saying when is the bronze age.
2: It didn't, it didn't like stop being the gold – like it didn't – it wasn't actually continuing to be the golden age as a word that describes the current time you're in. But Why not? Well, because that's what modern means. Modern means like now. Modern means the, the recent history. Unless but, you're talking about art. But as time, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> That's what my point is. Whereas Golden Age is just a name.
0: All right, well, let's get to this uh, post-post-postmodern stuff then. The poo-poo pee-pee what is, era, what, what is, call Yes, it. the is, poo-poo is pee-pee era. What is the
2: official word for, like, say, if somebody made art right now? For your art? The postmodern era. It's still postmodern. Okay. Yeah
3: postmodern basically means we've run out of ideas and yeah that's what we <laughs> we got nothing
2: just reha- rehashing it's, stuff
3: it's it's fair game anybody it's like just the, all the safeties are off it's gone from a gushing river into many little rivulets you know yeah. of uh, you know that that will follow their own sort of path and in certain ways it's good because then you have complete creative freedom but then in other ways a lot of people think creative freedom it means that it's their opportunity to create garbage that they oh, yeah. can put in a gallery that there's there's no aesthetic as to whether there's no right good or bad art like which is obviously nonsense.
2: And that's very that's almost a postmodern type of thought.
3: Well it is. It, it's and... deconstruction without reconstruction in my opinion. Right. It's taking apart your car and saying, "Wow, that's awesome. Well, I'd like to drive to the store now, please." Yeah, <laughs> put it back together for me.
4: Yeah.
2: Wait, no, wait. man, this is the new carness. Are uh, you yeah, exactly. This represents car. Are you okay. saying that
1: Art will drive me to the store? Because that is awesome.
2: <laughs> Where can I
1: find this guy?
0: Cosimo Cavallaro, or possibly Cavallaro. Oh, he was great on SCTV. <laughs> Italian, Canadian artist, filmmaker, and sculptor. He is famous for his usage of cheese as a medium of art.
3: Oh, wow, awesome.
0: He's the same artist who made a six-foot-tall, anatomically-correct milk chocolate sculpture of Jesus Christ. Uh, it wasn't anatomically-correct for long when I was around. <laughs> How many calories was that, Taren? Uh That was approximately 480,000 calories. <laughs> oh. made, Stigmata has never been so made delicious. Made with 200 pounds of chocolate. Uh, It was called My Sweet Lord.
2: Oh, (laughs) I love it. I don't know if that joke is art, but I do love it.
0: Some of his cheese creations uh, include a whole hotel room covered with melted mozzarella cheese and even a cheese jacket. His most recent work, (laughs) I Was Here, is a performance piece which at first glance seems to be a bloody disgusting scene straight out of a horror film. Upon closer examination, it turns out that he covered his apartment from floor to ceiling in ketchup. A playful sense
1: of humor indeed. uh, Yeah, I don't really understand uh – I don't get it. Well,
3: my <laughs> You're not to if get I it. may expound again on my narrow-minded theories that the fine art world is functions on the ace novelty approach to creating art and getting attention, and that it's who can make the best rubber dog poop, who can make the best yeah. fake vomit. It's just about grabbing attention. Right. Look what I did! Look what it's so very novel. It's this is nobody's done this before. It's all about pioneering and not about settling down and you know yeah. and hacking a life out of the wilderness. It's about skipping along and look at that tree. Woo, it's crooked Did you see that reality show with uh, Sarah Jessica Parker About all the artists in New York? I didn't watch it because I feared uh, suicide on my part if I did <laughs> I wanted to have your take on it it's television I mean how can television represent any type of reality wait what when you give somebody with? like two hours to make a piece of art based yeah, on a specific yeah. theme that
1: you've given them and probably told them ahead of time and had them think about it for yeah. a while and then manufactured the spontane- yeah. spontaneity oh wow yeah. so it really is a Hold reality on. show yeah. I oh, had yeah. not heard yeah. of this so it was, was on it, Bravo
2: I think I would be very confident in just writing off any artist who agrees to be on such a show how well, can was one any girl, artist go on it the
1: artist on it was like a performance artist and photographer and she happened also to be a really attractive woman.
2: Yeah. Oh, okay, she's an artist.
1: <laughs> most of her most of her stuff involved her taking pictures of herself naked in the mirror sure. and then doing something to the photo mm-hmm. and putting it on a like canvas. Putting so, a po- yeah, so you're just proving my filter point. to make it pop art. It, I'm pretty sure that was art because I got a boner.
4: That's
0: that's the truth If you're looking for a gauge We found it Did
2: you not hear The definition earlier? That's the yardstick Literally Oh
0: snap Speaking of uh, doggy poo Paul McCarthy in 2008 uh, Made an inflatable Giant turd Uh, It was called Complex shit And it was installed On the grounds Of the Paul Klee Center In Bern, Switzerland And uh, it took off In a wind Bringing down a power line Breaking a greenhouse (laughs) window And broke a window At a children's home now that's art. This inf- I any mean, of your was paintings widely... ever
2: broken windows at children's homes? Not yet. <laughs> oh, hey, sucker.
0: It, but the complex
1: shit, it almost broke wind.
4: Oh, I get it. Oh.
0: This incident was widely reported internationally via news outlets in several languages with headlines like huge turd catastrophe for a museum.
1: A uh, better headline would have been huge turd catastrophe catastrophe well
3: apparently uh christo one of christo's umbrellas uh, one of his installation pieces in the 80s or 70s uh blew mm. over and killed i believe a young lady oh, and right. her child perhaps i again i need I to know. look that up but he's, he's famous for wrapping things in cellophane and yeah his most recent show was the gates in central park uh, yeah the big orange draperies yeah. or whatever hmm. yes
2: oh i think i've seen that did he do islands at one point yes. the coasts yes, of indeed. islands. yeah okay yep. Cool. So,
1: this uh, a giant umbrella that killed somebody it was basically the art world's Twilight Zone.
3: <laughs> the movie. I think they had to pay up the family a fair well, amount art, of money. Art
2: requires sacrifice. Here's some free umbrellas. It's kind of guys. nice when it's not you. Something
5: the world is made for fun and folly. And so do I. And so do I. Something it well to be all melancholic, too fine inside, too fine inside, but we, we love to spend our time in singing
4: some joyous song, some joyous song, to
5: set the air with music bravely ringing is far from wrong, is far from wrong. Listen, listen, echo sounds of a... Listen, listen, echo sounds of a... and they believe, Echo sounds
4: of art, and In the news, <laughs>
0: Italian Prime Minister adds a penis to historic Roman statue. <laughs> November 18th, 2010, Rome. Italian Prime Minister Silvio S- Sivlio Berlusconi is in hot water once again. Tax- of course, yes. Taxpayers are upset at Berlusconi after he spent about $95,000 to attach a penis and two hands in the marble sculpture of Venus and Mars. <laughs> Under specific orders of scandal-laden Prime Minister Berlusconi, the Roman statue of Mars in the Italian leader's office got a 70,000 euro restoration, plus a penis, according to the London Telegraph. The penis was attached to the original using a magnetic system. <laughs> the Roman god of war, Mars, and goddess of love and beauty, Venus, also received one hand each. The hands and penis are removable.
2: Does he have, like, a uh, privacy lock on his office? <laughs> I'm just wondering if these weren't for art purposes. Well, um...
1: Berlusconi. Berlusconi is that guy who's got like an eighteen-year-old mistress, right? Like yeah. An eighteen-year-old supermodel They're mistress. Just, He's that article awesome. should just be:
2: Clinton used cigars. This guy used detachable penises from yeah. statues of Italy. ancient gods.
3: <laughs> he didn't want to buy sex toys. It should just be the news. Italy. We're Italian. <laughs> <laughs> that explains it. Well, that reminds me of uh, a former Attorney General, whatever is the it Ashcroft. That's correct. Because uh, uh, Lady Justice had a bare breast exposed, right. and yeah, so whenever yeah. he would do a press conference, there she was in all her single-breasted glory. He ha- actually had her draped. I- I'm not sure if it was 24 hours or if it was only when he was present because right. of his uh, religious views. Boobies are sinful. Boobies are the major not course that, of most crimes, so I it's kind it of ironic that the federal, the Bureau of Justice, would have a booby on display. I,
1: I I gotta admit, I don't. I'm, I'm not against the bare booby, but I don't really understand what the bare booby has to do with justice. It's it's punch up. It just makes oh, justice
2: yeah. that much better. Well it's it's justice because it's equal, because one is covered and one is bare. Right.
3: That mm. makes perfect sense. It's equality. <laughs> or it just keeps the judges happy during those long court trials. Yeah, and some if you drink it, the milk comes out of it. <laughs> that's right. That's where
1: the that's where the justice comes out of. Milk milk lemonade around the back was a fudges made.
3: <laughs> that was the original uh, pitch for law and order. Every episode, they just go to the statue <laughs> and suck on the teeth. <laughs> uh. Episode over. What
0: else we got in the news there? Uh, the, uh, uh, formerly,
2: well, news. The formerly news. Formerly news.
1: Well, two thousand seven. Uh, you know.
2: Daniel Edwards strikes again with dead air sculpture pictures. Sculptor Who's this guy. This is a sculptor, and I love that it's in quotes. Yeah, quotes
1: sculptor. That's that's I like to call that torrenting <laughs> something. <laughs>
2: Well, except that I mentioned it rather than just air-quoting, just air-quoting <laughs> so it so that you'd have to point it out. In the Sculptor, audio podcast. Sculptor, and I'm saying it so you can understand. Yeah, the mics can pick the air quotes up. Uh, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's my tone of voice. <laughs> gives it away.
0: It's the pause before saying the words. <laughs>
2: Sculptor, Daniel Edwards' gimmick is turning America's grotesque fascination with celebrity icons and zeitgeist hotspots into sculpture and hokey press releases that seemed designed to f- feature in Google News searches about social issues as attention-grabbing and as deeply trivial as the celebrities themselves. Mm. I
1: saw Paris Hilton's Zeitgeist hot spot in that video she put out one night in Paris. <laughs> mm. Zeitgeist hot spots. I didn't
2: think it was all that hot of a spot.
1: But it definitely
0: had the Zeitgeist, you know what I'm saying? <laughs>
2: I, I would the say— The
0: still clear that right up. So what's this Daniel Edwards guy doing? What's he up to? What's going on here?
2: So he's got a sculpture uh, that uh, is called uh, Paris Hilton Autopsy. And it's a sculpture of Paris Hilton dead and splayed with yeah, she's full on dog. splayed. She like, is.
1: Like, her like legs are like
3: akimbo. Full on porno splayed. Hmm. For, for, all on for
2: display. So this
1: would be a completely different uh, Lennon's tomb.
2: <laughs> people walking <laughs> by. Thousands
1: of people lined up around the her, corner to see her cooch
2: her, her open legged body lying there yeah. with, sure. her, with her dog
3: well again in my mildly ignorant but mildly informed opinion it's just of uh, the school of I'm going to get my name on the paper yeah, exactly. I'm my I'm going to build a reputation on the equivalent of one firework at the 4th of July well and you know what the sad part is too it's such an easy target like it's not like, yes exactly you know. and and an ephemeral one as well it's yeah. something that uh, yeah. their vocabulary is, is a very short shelf life yeah, yeah. You know, what's a you gonna do next go like... after the Pope
2: <laughs> like hey whoa whoa wait are you saying that Paris Hilton is a celebrity with no talent and we're all fools for paying attention to her? Oh my god, stop the presses.
3: Well, I have a, a rule of thumb. I don't deal on, with subjects in paintings that haven't been around for at least 50 years like fast food or cars or mm. that sort of thing. And right. People always say, you know, why don't you do something about like uh, the iPod or whatever. And Because in like 12 years no one's going yeah, to remember the iPod. Well, my, <laughs> and My answer to that is that, well, that's the Spice Girls approach. You know, if I did a painting of Spice Girls and managed to hit the zeitgeist at the time, right. everybody would think it was amazing. But six months later, yeah. it, it would be the eight track tape of art. Yeah, you'd
1: have you'd have to rename it to just
3: like random British whores. <laughs>
2: who who was the author who said ninety percent of everything is crap? I know the quote. Theodore I Sturgeon. There we go. Thanks, Mike. Uh, Theodore Sturgeon, because somebody wrote an article about science fiction is crap. Yes, and he responded with, "Well." Yeah, the ones you're pulling up are crap, but 90% of everything is crap. Yes, of but course. look at this 10% of science fiction, which is amazing and is not being done in other yeah. things. And I think the uh, maybe on YouTube it's even higher uh, the crap percentage. But there's still some just brilliant stuff that has only of been course. released on YouTube and has been created by people in their garage. Uh, and again, would never have been able to get that kind of exposure. This is why I'm really excited for well, the time also, we live like, in.
1: Also, the, just the, the technology. You know, I mean, you can yeah. get these. Mm-hmm. You can get a handy cam for less than a thousand dollars that can shoot broadcast quality stuff. Right. Yeah. Like, yes. You know, I mean, uh, and you can edit on your home computer, and access is not the problem it's, you know,
3: utter lack of talent. That's the problem. Right,
2: skill and, and work and, and training. You, well, you got to get that 10,000 hours in to be, become a professional. Yeah. Yes,
3: know. exactly. Well, I always feel the same the way about artists. In my profession, you run into a lot of the beret-wearing, wool-coated sort of, he did have a semester at Emily Carr and he churned out some stuff mm-hmm. and oh, yeah, I'm an artist now, you know, but you don't, you wouldn't call yourself a doctor if you've never dissected a cadaver or yeah. even taken a course on basic, the circulatory system and that sort of thing. Or, nor would you call a lawyer a lawyer if he just hung out a shingle. I'm a lawyer.
2: Right. It reminds I like,
1: I like of... the fact that you did a doctor voice and you did a lawyer <laughs> voice, but you didn't do a pretentious artist voice. <laughs> he just
3: did his own, yeah. strangely <laughs> enough. If I may, to anyone listening, if you wear a beret of either sex <laughs> and you're portent, if you have uh, a desire to be an artist, get rid of the hat because that is the sure- that is the big flashing neon sign that says i have no clue what I'm doing. What if I put
1: the <laughs> What if I put a beret on my balls?
3: I will accept that. Yeah, there you go. I'm going to start
0: waning paint, wearing paintings of berets.
2: n'est pas un beret. Yeah. We...
0: Pop culture.
3: I think that the film Frida about Frida Kahlo and mm-hmm. Diego Rivera is actually probably one of the closest representations of living in an artist's circle is like. Which is essentially a chaotic one and debauched. I mean, is it debauched as well? Uh, perhaps some girl on girl action. I
0: understand. Yeah,
3: but you know? but uh, but within context, if it makes sense, and that Diego Rivera obviously was was a force of nature, was somebody that you couldn't really. She was definitely his match. Well, in film see... and reality, and uh, it was just a case of two like the immovable force meets the mm-hmm. <laughs> immovable object meets the irresistible force, and they. I didn't see the movie. Collided. Well, I liked it because it didn't fall into the cliches of, I'm a creative person, and this is my inner soul. It, it let it unfold in a very unpretentious and unforced. Hmm. Well, you know that Selma Hayek was bucking for an Oscar, too, because of that sure. eyebrow.
5: Well,
2: <laughs>
1: that's, <laughs> that's, oh, that's why? we like indeed. to call that, that the Charlize Theron school of acting. Had
2: nothing to do with her performance, her investment <laughs> no. in the role. Yeah. No. You you, win an Oscar you, because you, you take get a pretty
1: girl monogram, and make her ugly. You're
0: basically become Frida, and there's no you can't not win an exactly. Oscar. That's
1: right. I wonder it's, if it's she like, pulled a Johnny Depp and like wore it 24 hours a day and made everybody call her maybe, Unibrow. Yeah. Uh,
0: I watched Lust for Life. Last night with Kirk Douglas as Vincent oh, yeah, Van Gogh. I, see that.
3: Hmm. I saw it on TV. It's a very Hollywood yeah. kind of.
0: 1954 or something yeah. like that. Uh, oh, 57. It, yeah.
3: A lot of really, really white teeth for that period, I felt. His <laughs> teeth were startlingly, startlingly yeah. white.
2: I watched the uh, new Doctor Who episode that had Vincent Van Gogh mm. in it. And it was touching and heartwarming and. Uh, Felt, I mean, I can't say accurate. I mean, he's a time lord and came back in his that's time right. and space machine that looks like a phone box and interacted <laughs> with one of the greatest artists ever. But the, they seem to play the Vincent Van Gogh character very true. And mm-hmm. he was depressed and yes. messed up. And then is some issues. stuff happens. And it's very there's a theory very that bittersweet had, and good. There's yeah. a
1: theory that he had like really bad tinnitus and that's why he cut off his ear. Mm-hmm. He yeah. was kind of deranged.
0: and He was um, mad.
2: Like yes. insane? I think yeah. you'd kind of have to be to cut your ear off and send it to somebody. Well,
3: one of the... Did he send it to someone? Yeah,
0: he did. Yeah, he yeah didn't he, he did.
2: send it to the girl he was in love with or yeah. something oh, like
3: okay. There's a, another feature film called Vincent and Theo, which I think is directed by Robert Altman, has Tim Roth in it. It's the anti-lust-for-life movie okay. in that it's very lots of prostitutes and pooping into chamber pots and, <laughs> and that sort of thing. And, may, and posited, perhaps, that when he licked his, pointed his brushes while working, that he would be poisoned from all, right, the, from the, lead. Right. all the cadmiums and such oh, in his paints. And.
1: I never counted myself as a Van Gogh fan. And in fact, when I was in Amsterdam, I made a point of not going to the Van Gogh Museum. Mm-hmm. even though yeah. it was on the way to was wherever wasn't. you even were though wrong. you were
3: staying there <laughs> yeah that, no, I had to cut through it to get to where I wanted but I closed my eyes and ran that's right the Vincent Van Gogh Hotel every room has an original Van Gogh
1: but I did go to the Reichs Museum the National Museum on my last day there and mm. uh, I never counted myself as a fan of his but it's uh, one of those rare instances where when you see the work of art in person yes it is much more impressive than mm-hmm. seeing it represented in a photo album or a book or a magazine or whatever And, uh, you know, when you get up close and personal, you see how much texture there is involved. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I I, I still don't think I tip onto the side of, like, a big fan of his. But I definitely – it it gave gave me an appreciation for it.
0: I saw Exit Through the
3: Gift Shop last year. Yeah, I saw it too. I wanted to see it. I wanted to see it and I missed it. Did you see it? I skipped it again for suicide reasons.
0: Oh, that's actually pretty good. I was really –
3: because basically, for
0: those of you who don't know, it's about this – I'll go ahead and say crazy. He's a crazy filmmaker who – Eccentric. Okay, sure. Who starts following uh, graffiti artists around and like mm-hmm. documenting everything they do under the pretenses of making a film that it really has no intention of making? He just likes filming stuff. Yeah. yeah he eventually gets uh, hooked up with Banksy, the mm-hmm. famous graffiti artist. Mm-hmm. But this is really more of a story about this filmmaker's journey, <laughs> trying to become a, a famous graffiti artist. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And succeeding, basically.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: But he, he su- I'm putting succeed in air quotes <laughs> yeah. here yeah. because you I don't want to spoil the ending of the movie, but it's, it's, victory, it's fascinating. It's really it's,
4: fascinating. Yeah, it well,
1: is. I remember reading a review of it, and they didn't want to give anything away either, but there was a major supposition on whether or not that this was an an actual documentary film, or whether right. or not yes. it was preconceived. Right. Yeah,
0: and I can and I can see that happening too. But yeah. it could, I think, it could guess, go, guess, it could go either way. The movie, yeah, the movie I'm Catfish, undecided. Catfish.
1: The movie Catfish had this, had this, the exact same question mark around it, and I still don't know if it was documentary, or if it was preconceived. So, yeah.
3: well, do they tell you if he was Kaiser Sose or not at the end? They <laughs> do. <laughs> okay, good. There's a film called Goya's Ghosts, which is atrocious. It's just one of the worst films I've seen. I've seen. Uh, Javier Bardem and Natalie Portman. Why does saying They're that good. it's so atrocious makes me want to see it?
2: Because you're a caustic well, soda host. <laughs> I guess so.
3: You do get to see Natalie Portman naked in chains.
1: Oh, snap. So there. Where do I get it?
3: You can't because it's not motors. in theaters anymore. And you Your only SOL. watch movies in theaters? <laughs> <laughs> well, and then you get you. to see her as an old hag. Oh, well, well, okay. Up. But the, the art, the technical part of the art representation of Bardem as Goya, they really did not do the research.
2: I'm gonna I'm gonna make a prediction right now. I think that when Natalie Portman gets older, she's gonna still be hot like Helen Mirren. Like she's gonna be like old, like not not Dick Clark faking it, looking young yes. h- hot. I mean, like looks old, but will she will look regal and great?
3: Let's make a pack now. Whoever's of, of us is still alive last will go and say, "Hey, you look great."
2: Okay. <laughs> hey, you know you're really old, but I'd still like to have That's sex right. with you. These guys that are
3: dead thought you're hot <laughs> i'm the last one i'm of the last our one cadre that's right we made a pact just like that episode of mash there's many good films basquiat is uh i would characterize as a good film i really like about be, uh, fine artists yeah i like christopher walking in it had a lot
1: of people in it that at the time i didn't know who the hell they were but uh went on to become people
4: And
2: uh, <laughs> crumb. Eyes. crumb is what oh, yeah, i saw Chrome, i really yeah. liked
0: mm-hmm. totally depressing and yes just raises the hair in the back of your neck
2: but yeah. at the same time, it made me not depressed because it wasn't me.
4: <laughs> uh. Crumb,
0: of course, being the um, documentary on uh, the Robert, uh, Crumb. Robert
3: Crumb, the yes. comic book artist from mm-hmm. mostly from uh, the
0: 60s and 70s, you, or 70s, I guess.
3: You can't ignore the film The Agony and the Ecstasy with Charlton Heston and Rex Harrison, where Charlton Heston plays uh, a tortured Michelangelo. Oh. And again, it's very 60s Hollywood and bears little uh, resemblance to probably the facts. <laughs> oh. But, oh, wait, wait! Uh, if Hollywood's taught me anything, <laughs> it's it's a great film for the outsider. It's not if you really want to learn about how he painted the Sistine Chapel. I wouldn't bother with it for details, but as a
1: oh yeah, that's riveting uh, filmmaking. You're watching him for twelve years on
3: his back, that's going right. blind. <laughs> hey, fresco's oh, on film. Why that's hasn't a, that been that's made a yet? Box office. <laughs> that's box office gold. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I guess if you did a
1: time lapse.
3: Well, and it obviously it. didn't address yeah. his uh, uh, penchant for the young gentleman either, so that probably would have been verboten. Ooh, there's some drama. Yeah.
0: there's one video broke game. Brokeback Chapel, that one. <laughs>
3: There's one video
0: game I want to talk about. Okay. And that's Dark Seed.
2: It's a little on the old side, isn't it? It is on
0: the old side, but oh,
2: it's, I think I played it, it
0: features the work of one of my favorite artists uh, mm-hmm. when I was in my 20s. Uh, uh, one of the main H.R. Giger. He did the design for Alien in the Alien movie yeah. And, yeah. and various others. Airbrushing is very biomechanical. He kind of coined that phrase for his art. I'm picturing him wearing a lot of mock turtlenecks. Yep. Yeah, a lot absolutely. of mock turtleneck. <laughs> uh, he suffered from night terrors, and uh, his paintings are uh, all to some extent expired by his experiences with that sleep disorder. Uh, and he also has a couple of bars. You can go to a couple of Geiger Giger bars in Switzerland mm-hmm. that are all sculpted up to look basically look like they would fit in, like mm. Alien or any of his paintings, and they're really creepy. He should release a Geiger candy
3: bar, I think, too. That would be good. I'd buy that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all, all kind of ribbed and
4: <laughs> maggots and what would maggots. Uh,
1: what would a Giger counter count? Uh, the amount of aliens. That's right. The amount of <laughs> aliens in your
3: in your immediate yeah. proximity. It would count fear that screaming in space that you can't hear anyway. So
0: And just uh, in that kind of same oeuvre is one of my other favorite artists, Zadislaw Beksinski.
4: Mm. Who, wow, that's a name
0: and a half. Yeah, he's Polish, and he does very kind of weird macabre uh paintings that we'll put up a couple on the website just because they're just he's probably the creepiest artist but also like really crazy Skilled. Talented. yeah yeah and he was murdered uh, just a couple of years ago oh really yeah he, no he was shot i can't remember the because circumstances of his paintings? exactly no but not because of his paintings but because somebody wanted to kill him <laughs> And they did.
1: I can't believe uh, we've gotten to this point in the podcast. And we haven't brought up that H.P. Lovecraft story about that guy with all the wicked awesome paintings who, uh, mm-hmm. you know, when his buddy comes over to visit him and he finds that he's not painting them from memory. They're, in fact, photographs. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah.
0: Uh, uh, picture model. Pickman's model, yeah. Yeah. He's painting ghouls.
3: Mm-hmm. Real ghouls. There's one artist, a fellow also who had just passed away, named Sebastian Horsley, who was a sort of a self-styled dandy One of his famous uh, performances, if you will, is uh, he traveled to the Philippines and had himself actually crucified. Because I guess it's a local custom there
4: during Easter.
3: But it it was kind of crucifixion light. It was Um, like with ropes, not with nails. He did have his palms nailed. Oh, now that's art. There's a very famous video of it. So in the act of being crucified... The local Filipino carpenters hadn't done their job very well. So he was nailed through the hands and tied, but, uh, but he stood on a platform and the platform that was on the cross broke. after he was lifted up broke. Oh. So he, uh, had to, he was fell literally hanging the his- nails were torn from his hands like he fell uh. off the cross. Oh. Which uh, it's a very famous incident. Yeah, that would leave a mark. That crucifixion thing. Mm-hmm. He's <laughs> done stuff like had apparently uh, this may be apocryphal. He's had sex with like a quadruple amputee woman. Like there's a picture which I think is, As is art Has been mocked up. Yes, and he's well known for for whoring and you know doing heroin and all that kind of stuff. And What's he this kept guy's name? Uh, Sebastian Horsley, I think. And oh, how he, ironic um, that he does heroin. and His last name is Horsley, and he kept a loaded gun <laughs> by his bed every morning, so he. You know, Play Russian roulette every no, day. Well, he said life was a choice. Like if, you know, that he was making a choice to stay alive every day and to keep up his shenanigans, if you will. Uh, I then, think uh, they transcend the term shenanigans, but that's just me. <laughs> I don't know. I think it makes it kind of homey. His, uh, you'd like to have like a little cross stitch of him over your fireplace.
2: Cross stitch? <laughs> <laughs> and the sign at the entrance of his home says, This is not a brothel. There are no prostitutes at this address. <laughs>
3: Uh, Pollock is another feature film that oh, you might like right. to check out. There's I- a car crash in it. Yeah, yes.
1: there is. Uh, it, actually, the car crash is really
0: cool. Based on uh, the life of Jackson Pollock, played by Ed Harris. Uh, also
3: starring Jeffrey Tambor as Clement Greenberg, one of the biggest assholes you've ever, uh, that's ever been put on this earth. And Marsha Gay, Gay Harden. Character. Marcia the, Gay uh, Harden. Uh, the character of Clement Greenberg. Yeah, Marsha Gay, Marcia Gay, Gay, Gay
1: Harden, Harden. Didn't she win the Academy Awards for did best supporting for that movie? I
3: love her.
2: I'm in love with her. You're ever since Miller's Crossing.
3: I like Pollock because I, whenever my head uh, overtakes my abilities, I watch that and realize that I, I shouldn't be such a dink because <laughs> he was a pretty big dink. All right, super quick, Lesser of Two Evils. Acrylic mm-hmm. or oil paint?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Crucified incorrectly, a oh, Sebastian good. Horsley, uh-huh. or killed by a giant umbrella. Well, obviously, crucified incorrectly has got to win out because you don't
1: die. Oh, unless unless the crucifixion incorrectly goes, you know, worse than Horsley's did.
0: Mike just chimed up and said, "Which is has more artistic merit?" Yeah, th- that yeah. it shouldn't be. What would you two. rather suffer from? That way, we don't have to worry from. about the death.
1: Yes, part. exactly. Yeah, All right, okay, true. I like this. Uh, okay. So, uh, but on the which... one hand,
0: the person who was killed by a giant umbrella wasn't for art. It was. <laughs> no.
2: The no, umbrella they, was. It they was became collateral damage. <laughs> but
0: they became part of the art exhibit. Yeah. <laughs> I think that right? has
3: more street cred than the other guy because it was, yeah, it was an unintended consequence. I'm going with the crucifixion because I'm sure I'd pull down a lot of chicks after that. Oh, that's true. Let's just let, yeah, let's just so this
1: let, let facts be facts. A pure PR
0: perspective. Yeah.
2: I have to go for both answers. I have to go for the crucifixion. The You'd crucif- rather
0: be crucified than killed, then you think it has more artistic merit. Yeah, as well. I think it has
2: more artistic merit because, because of the choice and because of the, the self sacrifice he made rather than just the random oops. All like, right,
1: I'm going to posit the philosophy that I'm not putting myself in the position of the person who suffered it. I'm putting myself in the position of the artist. So
3: I'm not the one who's mm. going to get killed by the giant umbrella. <laughs> I'm the one who made the giant umbrella that, that killed, killed the son. person. Yeah. If I'm Christo and in my darkest, little, deepest crevice of my brain, a painting of mine killed somebody. Yeah. I would like it. Oh. <laughs> I would not. I'd get off on it. I would. I'm so are waiting you for- your answer? I would you your spe- I think I
1: just heard you switch your answer yeah. right there. Yeah. I think you may have- I think from an
3: artist's perspective. Well, you
0: change the terms. Yeah. It's yeah. not him dying from you the You just, just Kobayashi like, Marooned my, my ass.
4: Yeah. <laughs>